You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here on the Locked On Nationals podcast. It is July 22nd, 2021. And on today's show, we discussed the Nationals' last two games against the Marlins, in which they won on Tuesday 6-3 and lost on Wednesday 3-1. We'll discuss the play of the replacements, the guys who have stepped up, the good pitching of Espino and Eric Fetty, and also Josh Bell and what his addition and Kyle Schwarber's addition meant to this team and have meant and will continue to mean moving forward. A lot to get to on today's show. Okay, it is an off day for the Washington Nationals, so it is time for us to reflect on their last two games in this series. They got a 6-3 win and a 3-1 loss. Uh, right now, they are now 45-41. They are six games back of the Nets, so right where they started, the Nets end up winning two of three uh, over the course of their series with the Cincinnati Reds, a 7-0 win yesterday, Marcus Stroman. Looked really strong, so still very catchable with their with their pitching woes going on right now. But uh, it's tough when you know you keep pace. You feel like you play well in a series, but the Mets went on the road and got the job done. The good news is the Nationals did make up some ground on the other teams in their division. So if you look down the line right now, the Nationals uh, are a bit closer to the teams uh, behind or in front of them rather. The Braves now are forty six and forty eight. Uh, they are four and a half games back of the Mets. The Phillies are 47 and 47. They're three and a half games back of the Mets. So uh, the Nationals now at uh, 45 and 50 are six games back. I'm sorry if I said they're 45 and 49. That was the record after the game yesterday. But uh, that's just something to watch. So the Nationals are a game and a half back of the Braves. They are two and a half games back of the Phillies at the moment who are struggling with the Yankees right now. So the Nationals, you know, still in the thick of things. Obviously, we saw them, uh, you know, remove that nine-game advantage that the the Mets had. They cut it down to one in a mere matter of a week and a half. So anything really can happen here at this point. Um, but as the Mets continue to get more healthy, the Nationals need to do the same and and also maybe make a move or two uh, and continue to play better. And we'll get into a lot of these guys playing well because you know we look at the roster right now. You look, look at the lineup right now, uh, and just the fact that you know and, and look at the guys who hit in this game. Uh, Alcides Escobar and Gerardo Parra and Jordy Mercer and Trace Barrera and, you know, Paulo Espino's pitching and Yadiel Hernandez's pinch hitting. These weren't the guys that we thought would be in, in this situation, these spots. The Nationals, no, they haven't played great, but they're still in this thing. I know it's partially because of the division, but, I mean, once again, they're still in it, and that counts for something. And so I think a lot of these roles, role guys deserve some credit. And I want to start, uh, let's, let's talk about the 6-3 to three win it was Paulo Espino against Trevor Rogers, and um, Paulo Espino gives them five innings, four hits, three Ks, and seventy-three pitches. You know, for Paulo Espino, think about when he came to the Nationals last year, right? Middle of the season, or whenever, whenever he ended up getting the pitch, I forget. But you know, this Paulo Espino, I remember when he started the game, and I wasn't too familiar with him. You know, thirty-four-year-old that last year he's thirty-three, and. He's one of those guys that kind of pops up and you think, well, this is a guy who's not maybe long for uh, this team, right? Maybe not. this is not a situation where he might be with the Nationals for a long period of time. Fast forward to this year, 
the fact that Paulo Espino is a guy that for them is making a consistent amount of starts in a spot that he did not think he would be in is really impressive. I remember last year he only worked um, like what was I think six innings last year total for the Nats. This year he's worked 51. He started six games. He's got a three ERA, which is really good for a guy that we just did not think would be in this spot. And so you look across his major league career with Milwaukee, six appearances in the big leagues, Texas, six appearances in the big leagues. That was back in 2017. Comes the Nats, 2020, first appearance back in the big leagues in three years. Does enough to keep a roster spot. And this year, you know, 22 appearances, once again, six games started. Not a guy, you know, probably a guy that thought it to be an innings eater in the pen, maybe a, a, an opener occasionally when they needed it. No, nah, man, this this guy is not, I'm not saying he's a legit starter, but for him to come in and give him give the work that he has given to the Nationals, it's been invaluable. The fact that he's keeping them competitive in games, um, you know, is not remarkable, but it just speaks to the kind of guy who just kept his head down and keeps grinding, and that's kind of the stuff he has, right? Not wipeout stuff, not knockout stuff, but last night, you know, there were guys in the base pads that it felt like pretty consistently, and he kept working through it, getting guys out when runners were on base. He did a good job of that during his five innings. Ironically enough, Austin Voth gets the win, even though in his inning of work, he gave up the lead, but the Nationals got it back in the inning. And just to show you once again, wins and losses, particularly reliever wins and losses, don't really matter a whole lot. Here's how it went down. Here's how the game went down. I just had to mention that Paulo Espino stuff off the top. Those are the kinds of guys that are helping the Nationals stay afloat right now, right? Players like him that didn't have a home last year in three years, right? He had been out of the league for three years. Alcides Escobar hadn't played in two years. Um, those kinds of guys coming up big is, is really, really important. And this game started off the scoring. It was Victor Robles uh, getting a single, which was huge to see him actually scoring, uh, or getting hits at least, uh, scoring Josh Harrison. Then Ryan Zerman, a much-needed double Scores Trey Turner. I want to see him kind of start hitting well again. I know he's losing out reps to Josh Bell, as he should be because Bell is playing so well. But, uh, you know, it's good to see they get that kind of pinch-hitting bat. Adam Duvall on top of the six launches a three-run home run uh, that makes this game 3-2. to two. But the Nationals, it feels like they haven't done a whole lot of this this, se- this season. Answer back. Yadiel Hernandez singles in a run, scoring Trace Barrera, uh, who was able to get on base due to a double. He had a couple of those. In this game, Trey Turner with a single, Juan Soto with a single as well, makes it 5-3. to three. And look at the guys, you know, I'm just kind of looking at this right now on base, right? Yadiel Hernandez is knocking in Trace Barrera. Uh, did you think we'd be saying that in the month of, uh, you know, in the month of July, right? And then Trey Turner scoring Yadiel Hernandez, right? Soto singles to score Gerardo Parra, uh, who also came into this game and got a hit. So, those guys, you know, Baby Shark, right, wasn't even uh, in the major leagues, uh, you know, until the beginning of this season, right? It was overseas after you know, the championship in 2019. So those replacement player guys, those kind of other guys, right, stepping up and setting up the big boys, right? Those guys helping turn over the lineup and the Hernandez's, the Barreras, uh, the Paras, setting up your Sotos, your Turners for success was huge. The Nationals in the bottom of the eighth get a home run from Josh Bell. And I want to use this opportunity to talk about Josh Bell because we talked a lot about the two moves the Nationals made this offseason, right? They go and they get Josh Bell. They go and they get uh, Kyle Schwarber. Number one, actually, first thing, this is home run number 100 of his career. So shout out Josh Bell uh, for home run number 100 with this right-handed blast that he had. We saw one hit on the left side, I believe, the other night. Uh, This one from the right side hammers it. 
So Josh Bell, home run number 100 uh, in his career, I believe. So in a pinch hitting capacity as well. Schwarber and Bell had such great springs and then had their their start, you know, had their season or their start to the season rather in a new new place derailed by COVID, right? Both those guys were out and really struggled when they came back to the team. We've talked about it a lot, but those guys just couldn't seem to get and they struggled much longer. You know, I kind of set, set a time frame and said, look, these guys, give them some time to get back into it. They'll get into it um, before really assess them. It took a lot longer than I think it should have, right? Kyle Schwarber gets vaulted into the first spot. I think it kind of made us not talk about Josh Bell as much, but Josh Bell has been doing uh, such a great job, you know, especially the last two months. Uh, He got off to a really horrible start. Like the month of May, he hit 113, but ever since then, you know, his, uh, his, his June, he ends up hitting, excuse me, the month of April, he was 113. Month of May, 264, right? Five home runs, uh, 17 runs driven in. Next month, he hits 282. And then you come to the month of July, and he's hitting 305. So there's a natural progression there from horrible to good to really good to great at this point. I mean, 305, 339 on base, 508 slugging, 47 OPS. Um, you know, in, in a lot of these are coming in pinch hitting roles. You know, look across. I'm trying to see right now is, is some of his pinch hitting stats. But uh, I'm seeing at least three occasions of uh, pinch hitting where he's, he's knocked in uh, or he's gotten at least a, a hit. You know, I'm trying to look this year or this month, rather. He's got four pinch hits, pinch hitting uh, chances this month. He has got three hits in those four occasions. So Josh Bell has added, uh, in days where Zim plays, a valuable batch bent, a bench bat, excuse me, and also he's become a strong player for the Nationals. No 248 is not great, but look what the league average is this year. You know, and, and for him to climb out of that hole, to be a really productive player for him, this kind of goes more to my point of where the Nationals, you know, with Schwarber and Bell hitting at a solid clip like this. You know, because, look, he's a 248 hitter. You, you can evaluate that. But what is he really? Ever since the month of May, he's been a lot better than that, right? Ever since, you know, he's hitting 113. I mean, hitting 264, uh, you know, hitting 282, and then hitting you know, 305 in those months. I mean, he's not the guy that started off the year. He's not a 248 hitter either. He's better than that. And so for him to come through like that, for Schwarber to come through the way he has – for them to have Tono, uh, Soto and Turner, uh, Turner's been good since the word go. Soto, by his standards, a you know, good season by anybody's standards, but a uh, good season in the beginning uh, by normal standards and then really picked up the play as of late and he's really playing at one Soto clip right now. You know, that's why I think it's always important to know that this team at full strength, especially in the field, in the lineup, is going to cause teams a lot of problems. You add in guys like Josh Harrison in the back end, you add in bench bats, uh, you know, like Ryan Zerman, and you add in the guys like, you know, Josh Bell to kind of back up that big three in the beginning that they had. And look, even Alcides Escobar, you know, I think this guy's this guy's going to remain on the team for a while and deserves to with the way he's been playing. So this lineup is, is, you know, it feels like they're one guy away from continuing to be a really feared lineup. And that's why I, I think this team is almost a little bit closer to competing than they are not competing just because of the names and how much money is invested. You know, Strasburg healthy, if Corbin turned around, Scherzer, you know, obviously has been excellent this year. And then having Soto, Turner, uh, Bell, and Schwarber, I mean, it's it's hard not to be around 500 and decent. And so you think about, you know, the team without that bad start to the season, it's a 500 baseball team, right? You go back and you think about how the Nationals began the season, starting off with that really awful stretch against the Braves uh, and against the Dodgers. You know, you kind of take that out when they were had COVID and whatever. Even with the injuries, they're around a 500 ball club right now. 
So I think that needs to be noted. I think Josh Bell is a guy that's kind of so emblematic of the, you know, the, the difficult, while unfair, but, uh, you know, difficult start the Nats had and then turning that around. They're still in this thing. And that's why I think trades should be discussed. I, I hear a lot of people, you know, I've been texting people about trades. Uh, i got some friends who are, who are big Cubs guys talking to them about what they want. And people say the Nationals, why? There's six games back right now in July, in late July, and uh, they're below 500. Why would they do it? You know, like that's out of context. I get it. Not every team, you know, not everybody follows every team super closely, right? I, I can make some proclamations about the Mariners or the Athletics, or the Angels, but they wouldn't be that informed because I don't watch them. You know, the AOS is probably the division I'm least strong on, uh, just because their games happen late, and it's the opposite league of the teams that we that I watch and cover. And so, you know, sure, I'll keep up with a lot of the American League teams that are, uh, especially the AL East, on top of the American League, that, that's, the, that's the division I keep the most with. But, you know, that that's the thing is that from an outsider's perspective, you might say, why are the Nats by? But from an insider's perspective, you look, and this is a team that needs to get more competitive against the really good teams, but they keep beating up on the bad teams. They need to make a move to do that. And I think uh, they're in a position where in the next eight days, yeah, sure, you could sell off Bell and Schwarber. Well, he's injured. But you could sell off the Bells, uh, the Brad Hands, the even the Yadiel Hernandezes and the Josh Harrisons that they had Castro still. And, and we'll get to that at the end of the podcast. But, you know, guys like that would be the ones you could sell. It takes a lot of work to move all those parts around. I don't think they do. I think they're more apt to go and grab a guy. Uh, and I tweeted yesterday, and we'll get more into some potential trades, but I tweeted yesterday that somebody asked me on Twitter about uh, Chris Bryant, a really good question. And it made me think, you know, there's so many variables with Chris Bryant. What do the Cubs want? What are the Nats willing to part with? Will Chris Bryant want to resign? Uh, are the Nationals interested in resigning him as well? And what does that factor into with the other guys that are resigning, resigning Scherzer? There's a lot there. And I so I think that's why I lean towards no. I think they should make a move like that. Do I think they do? Probably not. But I think a guy like an Eduardo Escobar is somebody they need. And they need infield help badly uh, with the way things are going right now um, for them, especially with Stalin Castro, you know, out. And Carter Keboom gets removed from the game the other day. And so, uh, you know, the idea of maybe Keboom part two in the major leagues, uh, like serious part two in the major leagues, might not be happening anytime soon. So, yeah, I think that's more of a natural move for them. And we'll get into more of that as we go along. But it just made me think, and watching Josh Bell perform this well, kind of made me uh, begin to have the wheels turn a bit on what the Nationals could do and really how competitive could their lineup be if they were at to add another piece. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll discuss the loss the Nationals suffered yesterday in the third game of the series. But first, a word from our sponsors. Today's Locked On Nationals podcast is brought to you by our friends at Fully Loaded Chew, new sponsor, new Urish, I guess you could say, sponsor here of the Locked On Nationals podcast and the whole Locked On MLB network. So we're very glad to have them along. Fully Loaded Chew, guys, is the tobacco-free chewing pouch that everybody is talking about right now. It dips, spits, and chews just like tobacco normally does, but is tobacco-free. It's available in nine flavors. Fully Loaded Chew is made with all food-grade ingredients and tobacco-free nicotine, the purest form of nicotine nicotine available. It's the only moist nicotine pouch on the market right now. All their nicotine pouches are dry white pouches. Nothing dips, spits, and packs like Fully Loaded Chew. Fully Loaded Chew is offering Locked On Team listeners a special offer right now. You can uh, try it for just $1. That's right, $1. Go to www.fullyloadedchew.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON 
just $1 in free shipping if you use the promo code Locked On at checkout. The next time you go for a dip, make it Fully Loaded Chew at FullyLoadedChew.com. Today's Locked On Nationals podcast is also brought to you by RockAuto.com. It is the best place to find parts for cars or trucks. They've got thousands of parts from hundreds of manufacturers. And the best part is their prices are always reliably low and the same for pros and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to 30, 50, even 100% more at chain stores or at dealerships? You can just go to rockauto.com today. If you go there, check out all the parts, write locked on in their how did you hear about us box. That way they know we sent you. Amazing selection, always low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That's rockauto.com. All right, before we get to the uh, Wednesday game, just want to note, good job by the Nationals getting to Trevor Rogers. Uh, I did not mention that, but because I was just kind of talking about the offense as a whole. All right, so 3-1 loss for the Nationals in the final game it was Nick Neidart against Eric Fetty, and Eric Fetty was on a stretch of bad starts. This was a good one. Now, I know this offense of the Marlins isn't very good, but Eric Fetty did a good job. Six innings, four hits, uh, four Ks. They had bases loaded, nobody out at one point. Got a double play ball when they needed one. Only allowed one run to score, so good job from Eric Fetty there. Nick Neidart, man, I mean, he, he had three hits, three walks surrendered, two Ks, but he got a bunch of ground balls, a bunch of ground balls. The Nationals hit into, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how many double plays uh, they ended up hitting in, uh, hitting into, but that was a big part for the for the, the Marlins was getting a bunch of those double plays in this game. The Nationals 0 for 7 with runners in scoring position. Uh, that really hurt them. The front of the lineup ends up going as a combined uh, 3 for 11, so not horrible, but they just weren't able to sustain offense in this game. Runs were really difficult to come by, and Eric Fetty, Kyle Finnegan, Daniel Hudson, and Brad Hand all pitched in this game. Finnegan Hudson did really well. Brad Hand uh, ends up giving up the winning run in the bottom of the 10th, or top of the 10th inning, rather. This game went to extras, and um, the Nationals just weren't able to respond. I always think it's such an advantage for the road team to be able to put that pressure on and to score first. I think the calculus with keeping Brad Hand in at this point was just the fact that I know it was back-to-back days, but they did have an off day coming up here. So I think, uh, you know, I, I think that David Garcia said, look, we pay this guy a lot of money. We're going to lean on him here, and, and it didn't work out. So I actually think that was a smart move. But, um, yeah, it ended up not working in the Nationals' favor. And so, uh, you know, they end up giving up two runs in the top of the 10th inning and losing this game. But Andrew Stevenson uh, drives on a run in this game, and they're going to need that production. It's really weird. This game kind of made me thought about think about one thing because it wasn't really a fun game to watch. Um, what's going to happen there in the outfield? Victor Robles is starting to lose playing time, but it's not like Andrew Stevenson's playing a lot better, right? Stevenson's hitting 224 with 288 uh, on base and a 308 slugging. And you kind of think about Victor Robles as well. You know, is is he um, is he doing much worse? He hasn't been hitting well. And ever since he got injured way back when, I mean, he is it's been a challenge for him. Um the challenge for him, I mean, especially. Uh, and all these guys have gotten hurt, right? We even had the scare with Alcides Escobar in the second game. Luckily he was okay, he was able to play yesterday. But yeah, uh, Victor Robles for him this year, up and down season, and the defense is back. The defense for him definitely is back. You can see he's out there pressing, flying around, trying to make plays, and you're hoping that could kind of give way to his offense. Look, I think for him it's – eventually he's going to play well on offense, like have a couple decent seasons. Just if you're in the league this long and you're playing this much, like it's going to happen. We know he can do it a little bit. And he had a stretch this year when he was getting on base – 
a whole heck of a lot. But for him, you know, hitting 208 this season and the half of struggles he's had, man, you know, it's it, it, this was this was the one thing that felt like it could be the key to unlock the offense. And especially, I was I was of the opinion that he should have hit ninth to help turn things over. But I'm not even sure you could put him in that spot right now. I mean, the last two months, uh, you know, in, in the month of July, he hits uh, or June, excuse me, he hit 194, and then this month he's hit 128. So for Victor Robles, you know, having that, uh, and, and yesterday was his first hit that he'd gotten since July 10th. So. Uh, you know, we went basically 11 days without getting a hit. And for him, you know, Dave Martinez put him on the bench some. I like the way he looked um, in the game on, what was it, on Tuesday night. On defense, I'm really of the belief that he needs to be out there. I think he's just such a good defensive player that it, it makes sense. But, yeah, he needs to flip that offense around. Now, what's crazy is, you know, he's hitting uh, – he hit 194 in the month of June but still had a 337 on base. That's not really manifesting itself. 128 with a 244 on base. He's just got to be a bit more productive. And look, on the year, 208 with a 326, that's the whole point. And I know there's just kind of a couple of stats there, but that's what they need. They need him to get on base to, to turn over the lineup, uh, whether it be Escobar up front or or whether it be, you know, uh, Kyle Schwarber, right? Preferably Kyle Schwarber. Uh, love you, Escobar, but you've been excellent. But, you know, Kyle Schwarber is the man at that spot. So, yeah, that, that, that to me is a spot they need more out of because – the guys stepping up across the board, and look, last night's not a great example. The offense was pretty poor, but Escobar has done his job, right? Um, they're, they're getting production from Josh Harrison, you know, playing in the outfield or second base or wherever where the heck he has to go. Even Jordy Mercer has had a pretty decent hitting season. Trace Barrera at catcher has been phenomenal. You know, Victor Robles is not one of those replacement guys. He should be a starting player, and they got to get more out of him. I'm of the mind that eventually the offense will come in some quality capacity, you know, whether it's hitting 240, but getting on base, you know, at a uh, 370, 380 clip, which he, he's shown that he can do. I think, I think eventually it's going to happen for him, but they need that sooner than later. And people have mentioned him as a trade ship. I don't think they want to part ways with him. I think the upside's still so high because think about this. I'm 24. So is he, and he's younger than I am. He's, he was born in uh, May of 1997. So think about it. You know, this kid, when he's 26 or 28, right? He'll still be a great athlete, and that's four years down the line. I always do this. I always talk about it. In basketball, I do this. You know, think about this for uh, Giannis. He's 26, and three years he'll be 29. Trey Young's 22. Think about it. In six years, Trey Young will be 28 in six years, which is kind of your physical prime at 28. You know, he's he's six years away from that, uh, Trey Young is. Victor Robles is four years away from being 28 years old. A lot can happen in that time, and I think, uh, you know, this year, obviously, they like to have it faster, but that offense for him needs to start developing. So long-term, I'm not horribly concerned, but in the short term, they need that bat to turn around pretty quickly. All right, uh, that'll do it for today's show and tomorrow's show, a Orioles series preview. And then uh, we will also have some discussion about potential trades the Nationals could do. That's coming up. Uh, trade season's always a lot of fun. All right, before we get out of here, one more word from our sponsors. Today's show is brought to you by betonline.ag. Guys, it's Olympic season. If you want to bet on archery or handball or whatever it is in the Olympics, I guarantee you that you can find it at betonline.ag. Go to betonline.ag today. You can sign up with the promo code locked on. You'll get a 50% deposit bonus when you do sign up. So go on your, uh, your iPhone, your tablet, whatever it is, sign up today. So you guys can go do that uh, wherever you want to. It's free to sign up. And then use the promo code locked on. You'll get that 50% deposit bonus. If you deposit 100 bucks, get an extra 50 to play with at betonline.ag. BetOnline, they're your online sportsbook experts.
All right, that will do it. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Nationals. You can follow me at Josh Neighbors underscore. Until next time, my friends, as always, stay safe.